Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers discussing topics of faith and family. All right, so what would Jesus do? It seems like the book of James has been a chapter that, or a book, I should say, that you and I have literally every year um, in one way or another taught, expounded on, um, whatever. We did it in the Journey 2020 with that vision group that we had by Coastally. We did it last year with our episode on the book of James, What Would James Do? And so this year, it just seems fitting to do it again. And I'm really, really excited to um, get into this one because this is just a way that we haven't really um, presented it. And so the way we're looking at it today, what would Jesus do? The Bible tells us what would Jesus do throughout the whole text. We know what Jesus would do all the time. We know what Jesus would do. Um, last year, we talked about what James would do, the brother of Jesus. That was the whole point of our episode last year. So this year, um, we know what Jesus would do. We know what James would do. We want to focus on what you would do. Mm-hmm. So the acronym is WWYD, what will you do? So that's today's point, that's today's theme. How do you feel about that? I love it. I mean, you know, for people who have just been around us and, and just hear just the themes and the things that we bring up, um, you know, we're, we're central to the word. And so, um, you know, with every episode that we've done, there's always been just that practical application. And so um, with kind of just talking about James last year, and of course, like you said, talking about Christ and how he is our example, um, comes a time where we have to look ourselves in the mirror and have that, that application and that practicality to it. So, yeah, I'm just excited mm-hmm. to just bring it back. But then now, you know, just kind of looking at it from a different lens, um, same content, but just um, a, a different side of it. So, yeah, it's always mm-hmm. just good to, you know, we don't read the Bible once and then say we're done, right? You know, it's a, it's a positive <laughs> word. And so uh, not to say right. I've never read James before or read it once, but, you know, as we continue to read it, we're going to see different things. And, you know, that's the beauty of, of the Bible coming alive and being real in our lives. So I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited for another reason today, because not only are we having this conversation in a different way, but we are actually getting to have a special guest join us today. And I am like, so stoked about this. <laughs> I'm so stoked. So this person I met at church last year, Brother Garrett, and um, basically as the youth service, the youth and the young adults have like a service in the evenings. And um, one particular evening, you know, the youth had been in a series on the book of James, you know, and that particular night, he actually was the speaker. So I had no idea that they had been going to the book of James at that moment. Um, But he was the speaker that day. And you and I had already recorded our episode on this. So that's why it was so crazy to me when I heard this message, because I was like, oh, my gosh. And you know, like every time we have um, our recordings, it's like before and after God just reconfirms his word in so many ways mm-hmm. through different people, different places where we are. And so when I heard Garrett's message, I literally was blown away because I'm like, this young man is amazing. Like he was just phenomenal. And, you know, his poise, his maturity, and just his soberness for his age, it just, it moved me. So of course, you know me, I'm going to approach after, you know, such a sermon like that. And so I talked to him and just kind of shared my heart with him and just like how it touched me. And, you know, there were certain things that he said that really hit my heart um, pertaining to my daughter and just so many things. So immediately, like I planted the seed then and I was like, 
I have to have you. <laughs> I have to have you as a guest on our podcast. And I just kind of gave him a little like information, like, hey, me and my brother do this podcast, and I need you on there. Um, and I didn't even know what it was going to look like fully at that time. I just knew that I needed him to be here for this. And he was so gracious and agreed. And so fast forward to now, he is here. <laughs> He's joining us. So I am just so excited to present to you all a member of our family in the kingdom and the body of Christ and our first ever guest on Her Bro His Sis. Our bro. Brother Garrett. Yeah. Welcome. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so, Garrett, can you just tell um, just everyone just a little bit about yourself? You know, um, are you a student? Maybe your age? Just a little bit about your family, just whatever you want uh, the people to know about you. All right. Yeah. Um, as she said, my name's Garrett. Um, I'm an Underwood child. I am the sixth of nine children. Um, wow. The three younger ones were all adopted. Um, that's part of um, my life is foster care. We did foster care for a long time. And that did play a big role in, um, as you were saying earlier, I'm quite mature for my age. Um, uh-huh. And taking care of kids does that. So um, uh-huh. that's part of that. But I'm an 18 uh-huh. year old. Um, and, um, you know, I just felt God's call in my life to share um, my testimony, my faith, um, the transformation of me and my family with the people that group. So that's what I did. Uh, so are you in high school still or where are you as far as school is concerned? Um, I graduated high school uh, last spring and I graduate college in eight weeks. Awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so how does that work? What, is it, what are you graduating from? What are you trying to do? Like what are, what are your endeavors, your ambitions? Uh, so right now I'm graduating with an associates in uh, culinary arts and then I move back to Alaska and I will be studying for a bachelor's in biblical studies and Christian ministry. Wow. So I have to ask you, Alaska, like what's up with Alaska? It's cold. Who's out there? Like what's the motivation? Uh, well, uh, I've spent the majority of my life, I spent nine years out of my 18 years in Alaska. Uh, I love okay. it. It's my home. It's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. My church family up there, uh, it's Clearwater Church. Amazing church. Uh, the pastor, Pastor Mike, he's like a second father to me. Uh, I love mm-hmm. him all to death. I can't wait to go back and go see him. That is amazing. Okay, so I... I'm going to just kind of dive a little bit in right now, but one of the things that you said um, during your sermon, and I know we can't have you re-preach the whole thing right now, but I would love it if they could hear it because it was so amazing. I mean, I was so impressed, really and truly. Um, but one thing that you said to me, and it was kind of towards the end of your message, um, you pretty much said, like, as individuals, and you were really kind of talking to the young people, but, like, as individuals, we all have to have our own faith. And that um, our individual faith is not automatically passed down from your family. So just because your parents were saved and they were believers and they went to church and all that, like their faith is not just like handed down to you and that you have to own your own faith. And that just like was profound to me uh, because I'm a parent of, uh, you know, my daughter's in college, you know, she's 21 and, um, you know, I have seen her, you know, like I was that parent that's like my brother you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's just kind of like what we say all the time, you know. Yeah. Um, 
So as your kids are younger, like they don't kind of have a choice or a say in the matter, like we're going to church and that's all there is to it. Um, but we do our part to try to like make them desire to continue it once that they're, you know, turned. But um, how, how did you get to the point where like you made that realization to say that you had to own your own faith? And how did you get to the point where you actually wanted to own your own faith? That's a good question. Um, well, growing up, I always thought that, well, my parents are Christians, so that means I'm a Christian because it's like it's a Christian mm -hmm. household. So obviously I'm a Christian if my parents are. And um, I mean, I went through middle school thinking that as well. And I remember this conversation I had um, with a guy in my gym class. And I was like, are you a Christian? He's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Catholic Christian hybrid. And I was like, what? Mm. That's a thing? So then I, wow. I was like, well, if your dad is a Catholic and your mom is Christian, then that makes you a hybrid. And then uh. I went through high school, uh, like my, my freshman year, thinking that. And then uh, I was invited to a youth group uh, with a friend of mine, my best friend um, in Alaska, to a church called Cornerstone Church. Um, and we had a guest speaker go up that day. His name is Jedediah, great man. And uh, uh -huh. he talked about owning your faith. I was like owning your faith what does that mean so uh, he brought out the points of um like you can't just say that you're a christian because if you don't believe it in your heart that's not true that's not what makes you a christian and it just opened my eyes to realizing that what i had grown up believing was not true and uh it it took me down um and humbled me and i was like holy cow i'm not a christian uh. i've just been saying i was and um, that night I went home, um, I prayed, and I was like, God, I've, I've been wrong my entire life. Wow. I've never given mm -hmm. my heart to you. So yeah. can I start now? Oh, wow. And, and that, that was, was you day... said, freshman year? Yes, that was my freshman year of high school. Mm. Wow. What do you have to say about that, Dave? I mean, that's wonderful that, um, you know, the Lord and his sovereignty that, you know, he allows us to have that opportunity where we get the truth, you know, because, again, you know, you could have went years thinking that you were based on what you thought and what you've been exposed to without necessarily making a personal decision. So um, just so just so great to have a personal savior, right, to know that God cares mm -hmm. individually and distinctly about each and every one of us, that he allows us to have that moment with him. So uh, just praise God for that that opportunity. Oh, that was really good. Um, so like I had mentioned earlier, um, when we did What Would James Do last year, we did a chapter-by-chapter -chapter approach over the book of James, and we extracted one main theme from each of the chapters. And so out of those main themes, out of all those cha five chapters, we determined that James would endure from chapter one, he'd obey from chapter two, he'd watch his mouth from chapter three, he would submit from chapter four and he would pray from chapter five. So even though we're not going to like, you know, again, rehash or re-preach re the same um, situation, uh, based on Garrett's message, I really just wanted to kind of like go over some other things and just like give Garrett the opportunity to share with us like his wisdom and his insights that he blessed all of us with that day. Um, so you said something really interesting about when you respond to things like via text or even verbally, 
you say heard. So can you tell us about that, how you started that? Like what, you know, just share a little bit from that. Yeah, so um, I started saying heard when I got into the culinary program at school. So if somebody would walk behind you with something that's heavy, something that's hot, something that's sharp, they would announce that behind you and you're supposed to say heard so that they know mm -hmm. that you heard them so you won't back up into their knife, so that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, and I got into this habit of doing it because I've been in culinary for three years uh, and it's just ingrained now in my immediate reaction. It's just like, you say something, I'm going to say heard. Um, mm -hmm. But in the kitchen, that's just something like, it's an immediate and then I forget about it because mm. you don't, I don't need to remember that you had a knife walking behind me like three hours ago. That doesn't matter. Um, but then that started translating to other areas. So it'd be like, um, if somebody from church would uh, talk to me and ask me a question, or they would say something and I would respond with heard, um, like I would get back to it later, but then I just forget. Mm. Um, like in the moment I heard what they were saying, but then it was gone. Right. Um, and I was relating that to uh, what James was saying in uh, James one twenty two, uh, where it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because uh -huh. uh, that, that's really kind of what I was doing is I was like, I, I hear them, but uh, then I'm, I'm not doing what I said I would do. Uh, that's, that's a deep um, revelation, though, to, to immediately correlate your reactions or your actions, per se, um, to something you say you're here. Um, and because I'm like, in a way, when I talk to certain people, like I'll ask, did you hear what I said? Mm. Because you acknowledged in a way that you heard me, but you, your follow-up, your subsequent actions are not like supporting the fact that you actually heard what I said. Yeah. So then I say, well, what did I say? If you heard me, what did I say, yeah. right? Because I want, <laughs> I want you to tell me what I said if you heard me. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't hear you. So now you don't remember what I said. So you're admitting that you really didn't hear me because you can't regurgitate what I just said if I just said it. So you weren't paying attention. So I think that's really deep. Like, you know, that requires a, a degree of attentiveness for you to really hear. Like in a kitchen setting, that makes sense what you're saying. Like someone's walking behind you and that's a split second. Like, okay, I'm just going to walk past you real quick. So to say heard and then continue about your business, you just stand still for that few seconds or however long somebody passes by and then you no longer have to hear or do anything but your action was to stand still because if you back up and you say heard then you didn't hear them because if you heard and backed up you run into the person things happen right but to mm -hmm. hear them and stay still shows that you listened and you still acted by not moving to get in the way so I think it's really interesting like how how we say we're listening like it challenges us to like see what kind of hearers we really are right yeah and that's super profound because you know you're taking that illustration and you know like like uh, like she said you know that you did act and you were obedient in that second but how much more obedient we're we supposed to be in christ where mm. it now is supposed to impact our life completely and totally you know not just momentarily but just like if you're saying you heard <laughs> to the lord <laughs> that action is not just for that second that's <laughs> for all of life and so it kind of goes back to last month we were talking about first john you know you're a liar and the truth is not in you if you're not walking in the light right so that walk is 
anytime you're walking, this is the direction you're supposed to be walking. Not, I'm just going to do this today while I'm in your vicinity. And then tomorrow I'm going to go back to darkness. So yeah, it's just super mm-hmm. profound that you related that illustration to everyday life to now start correlating that and everything you do. So I, I love that. So Garrett, um, you had kind of like some points about how people could be hearers and doers, right? Um, can you mm-hmm. kind of just share um, with us like, what you had on that, like, because um, you brought that verse out, be doers of the word and not hearers. So how can we go from just being um, hearers to just doers? I love that question. So I came up with seven basic ones that I just found in the scriptures. And um, it started with, well, how do we hear? How do we go for where do we go for answers and so Uh my answer obviously is the bible Uh, that's what i built my life upon and joshua 1 8 um that's the verse i took for this one is uh to meditate on the bible because the bible is the basis of our faith it's the basis of uh, god's living word it's christianity it's it's the foundation of everything um Uh Uh, and another point that I that I had up was uh, in Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five, and that is you're speaking now, brother. <laughs> yes, I love that verse. <laughs> to fellowship with believers, don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together, uh, and that's just so important because that's how we can grow. We can we can hear from other people, we can connect with people, and we can strengthen our faith with relationship with relationships through people. Uh-huh. Uh, another a third point that i had was forgiveness uh matthew uh-huh. 6 14 and 15 we do have to forgive because we can't do things if we aren't forgiven um, right. god says that if you don't forgive those that trespass against you then you will not be forgiven mm-hmm. and if we aren't forgiven we cannot do what god has called us to do in of the light yeah. that god wants us to right um, a fourth uh, thing that i brought up was to speak the truth and be kind uh, ephesians 4 uh basically the whole chapter but uh 25 uh-huh. to 32 says we got to speak truth we got to speak uh-huh. the truth and we have to be kind especially to our brothers and sisters of the faith right and number five it says to be humble um philippians 2 3 we we have to be humble um one of my favorite quotes from rick warren is humility isn't thinking less of yourself but it's thinking of yourself less uh. so don't be self-absorbed, but instead be absorbed with other people. Be absorbed with uh-huh. what you can do to bless the people around you and what you can do to be the greatest version of yourself that God is calling you to be. Um, uh-huh. Humility is my verse of my, it's like the word of my life. Uh, it's uh-huh. what I strive to be until the end of time. That's all I want to be. I want to be a humble Christian man in the sight of God. Um, um, another point that I brought up was that we have to love our enemies. We can't do what God calls us to do if we don't love the people that we need to be doing for. Right. God doesn't say be comfortable and uh, love your family, love the people that love you back. Mm-hmm. He says love the people that hate you, the people that Come persecute on. you. Those are the people that you're supposed to love. Yeah. He That's says right. love your enemies, and it's so hard, but it's such a profound thing that we have to do in our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. And this one, this point is my favorite point. I had to go in seven because seven's a perfect number. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Matthew six thirty three, we yeah. have to seek God above all else. When we seek God, all these things are added, as He stated above previously. Um, we'll have everything that we need if we seek God before everything else. 
Uh-huh. Uh, it's so important. And I've seen him change some of the worst people that I know into some of the greatest people that I know because they seek him. I've uh-huh. seen him change me in that way. And it's really insane. Yeah. Because all I had to do was seek after him. And, you know, that brings it full circle, though, because how do you seek God? You go back to number one. You meditate on the Bible because that's where you find out where God is and what he wants and, and everything that you need to know about pursuing him and, and pleasing him and doing the things that he wants you to do. So it's that's mm-hmm. just a beautiful list. It's so amazing to me. And just your conviction behind all of them and having, like, again, Scripture to su- su- uh, support, like, everything that you're putting out here is your point like point one here's a verse point two here's a verse like it all comes back to the word and i mean when you talked about loving your enemy lord have mercy we just recently had a whole thing on that did was it last month or january we talked about loving the unlovable and Mm -hmm. how it's so easy to um love the people that are nice to you and love the people that you know and love the people that you like but you know i had said that we don't love out of our own capacity. It's not my bank account because I don't have the sufficient funds. So basically we are literally, we're loving God from, we're loving people from God's bank account, which is endless because his love covers our insufficient funds. Like I don't have it to give you. So I'm going to give you God because God is love and I'm going to treat you how God would want me to treat you. And that's just, you know, how we're supposed to to respond and the more you do that it becomes natural and it becomes not like a forced thing and at the end of the day that's all submission you know that's obedience Mm -hmm. that is you um laying yourself down like sometimes obedience is sacrifice you know that's you being a living sacrifice to say like my flesh wants to treat people like this or my flesh wants to do this but god would have me to love this person or god would have me to respond with kindness or to respond with love and that's a sacrificial thing because your your body does not want to do that and your spirit is is willing. So I, that's an amazing list. I just love that. But I know you will. Mm-hmm. At what point did you start enjoying it? Like when you started to do it and create the habit, like when did you start enjoying it? And how did you, you know, how was it enjoyable to you? Um, that's a good question. So I can't give you an exact time, but it's just like I get into the habit and then it becomes less of a habit and becomes more of uh, something I look forward to every day. Mm, That's good. So it's no longer just, oh, I have to do that today to check off my checklist. It's when can I be done with this so I can go read my Bible? When can I go and do this? Um, That's so good. It's a joy for me to have God in my life and, um, to just be able to connect with him through his word and to learn more about him is just amazing. Uh, One of my favorite things about God is that when we're with him in eternity, every single day for an eternity, we'll learn something new about him. Uh. That's just so amazing to me that um, he's such an infinite God. And just by connecting in his word, I can learn so much about him. Uh That's true. And and you have to have you have to desire that right like you have to want to learn and want to know and mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many things that compete for our desire and compete for our affection that we just let them have it um, mm-hmm. so it does take that you know conscious decision of saying like God is worth it and starting to 
exchange those things because I'm always telling people it's kind of like a replacement principle like at first you know we didn't come out like how we are right now we didn't start this thing and immediately like every day we were just living breathing everything God like it was a gradual progression to this point Mm -hmm. and now we are there and there's like no stopping us but we have to continue to feed that in order for it to stay like that um so I think that's just beautiful to to know that um that you that you think like that and that you feel like that and you can tell it's genuine. Like it's just amazing. It it really is amazing. Um, I want to back up for just a moment and I want to talk about um, verses two through five in chapter one. So I'm just going to read it um, for those who are following along. Chapter one of James, starting at verse two, it says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? Verse 3 says, For you know that when your faith is tested through experience, your endurance has a chance to grow. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work, so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. So how do you execute this? If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of God, who gives to everyone generously, and it will be given to him. He will not rebuke you for asking. So, Dave, give us something off of that right now. Wow. Um, well, <laughs> I'm going to go back just a little bit and just, just give a, a quick uh, African proverb that the Lord gave me as Garrett was talking earlier <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> on delight. Um, w- when you walk in delight, you should have delight. Um, uh. And just saying that, we think about the fact like a, a, a natural relationship and just the fact that, you know, when we desire somebody, um, we don't know everything about them, but we begin to desire to want to know more about them and we get closer to them because of what we, what we want from that relationship or what we want to gain. And so I think even in our faith, um, like you said at the beginning, it might have not been something that he desired um, or wanted, but because he wanted to have community with the Lord, it, at some point that delight had to come in order for him to receive the things that he wanted. So uh-huh. I think even as we think about um, this here in James 1, um, we're going to encounter struggles, right? Um, you know, obviously the Bible is very clear. Um, it says, um, consider it all my consider it joy when you encounter various trials. So it doesn't say exactly. if, it says when. So understanding that mm-hmm. we're going to have hardship helps us to understand that, hey, like the Lord has already prepared ahead of time the promise, right? And so I think knowing that, giving us the tools for, for endurance, and that's what I love so much about the book of James is that he's such an example, right? I mean, we know that he encountered things. We know that, um, that he, he went before us, so like he was a forerunner. And so for him to have the struggles that he had, for him to talk about the things that he talked about, like we have no excuse right now to say, well, Lord, it's tough out here. Uh, look here. <laughs> These guys were martyred for their faith. I mean, we have it so cush in, in America where we might encounter some light persecution. We might have people that might tease us for our faith, but we're not going through near the things that they went through back in that time. So for us to recognize the the, the spirit of endurance, like we have no complaints. And so for us to be able to look at a passage like this and say, let endurance have its perfect work because you'll be uh-huh. complete and entire. Like if we can recognize the example of endurance, um, 
it gives us the hope in the heart to be able to desire knowing that God is for us, even in those difficult moments. And it's just like any relationship. Like we don't quit every relationship simply because we had one argument or we had a disagreement, you know what I'm saying? Like there's an endurance to it because we recognize, okay, I still love this person. Like we don't see eye to eye, but I'm willing to go and, and continue this because of my love for them. And so the same thing with our love for Christ is that we can't just say, God, I give up the faith because I had a difficult day today. Like we're going to encounter those hardships. And he's saying count it joy because even in the midst of that, I'm with you, but also I'm doing something with those hardships. So don't just think that you're going through something and I'm just going to pat you on the back and say, I love you. It's not false hope. It's, Hey, I love you. And I'm right in the midst of that working it all for your good. Yeah. So I love that chapter verse two says that troubles when they come are an opportunity for great joy. Obviously when we meet the trouble, we're not looking at it as a joyful situation in that moment because you can't translate this verse into your trouble at that second. Um, but as you're navigating it, like this is why we need the word to guide our everyday lives because it is a deposit in your spirit. And as you're going forward, like you'll be able to fall back on this and you won't allow it to drag you down. You won't allow it to bring you into um, not believing God, not trusting God, uh, drawing you away from God because of the trouble. You know, he's telling you in advance, he says, like, through much tribulation, you will enter the kingdom of God. He said, I've told you these things that in me, you will have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. So he's told us all these things in advance. Um, but we have to just be reminded that when a trouble comes, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian. It doesn't mean that, you know, I think a lot of times we're very naive in our early uh, faith walk days that we think like when we sign up for Christianity, we think that just means like easy street to heaven. And that's totally not the case. Um, but verse three, it says, you know that you're, when your faith is tested by experiences, then your endurance can grow. But my question is, do we know that? Because he, he's saying it as the author to his audience, but we have to ask ourselves, do we really know that? Do you really believe that intimately that when your faith is being tested and do you understand and comprehend that your faith has to be tested through experiences? Um, it's not a question, you know, true or false thing or multiple choice question to test your faith. He tries us through situations in life. And so do you understand that by those things happening, that your endurance can grow? Mm. And then he's saying that your endurance will do a thorough work when you let it grow. And your endurance will enable you to be completely developed in your faith. So that's how your faith is going to grow. Um, so he's just reiterating the same point as we keep walking each verse. And then finally in five, he says, if you lack wisdom to go through any decision and go through any circumstance, ask God for the wisdom. You can ask God multiple times a day. He is willing to abundantly give it to you. So I just love that. So, Jared, as far as this section is concerned from those verses, how would you say that you respond when troubles of any kind come your way? Uh, that's a good question. Um, oftentimes, uh, when I lose sight of God, that's when I focus on the trouble. Uh -huh. uh, these troubles, they come in in my path and... If I'm not, like, let's say for that day, I haven't been in my Bible yet. And I'm now I'm focused on what is this trouble? What do, what do I have to do? What's going on? Why is this happening? 
But then when I take a step back and take my eyes off the trouble and take my eyes to Jesus, that's when everything uh-huh. changes. Um, oftentimes, my immediate reaction with trouble is, oh, no, I have to figure this out. Why is uh-huh. this happening? What is, what is this? And um, then once I take a step back and I'm reminded of who's in control of all of it, uh-huh. my eyes shift and so does the trouble. The trouble seems in- insignificant because uh-huh. I know that there's the controller of my life, the controller who is sovereign over everything, who loves all of us. It, he's going to work it out for good. Uh-huh. And I'm just going to keep following the path he has set before me. Right. So how, since you were speaking to a younger audience and you are an amazing representative of the younger generation, like how do you feel that like young people approach this kind of situation? Like, do you feel that they're disheartened and they're just like, man, forget God. Like it, life's not easy. Like there's no point. Like, how do you feel like you see peers or just other young people in the church or like, what do you see when it comes to other young people? I think in our society as a whole, the the majority view on Christianity is, oh, it'll be, uh, it'll be, it guarantees a, a an easy lifestyle. So if you die, you go to heaven. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's just like a very common misconception that everybody's sold on. And uh-huh. so then they're like, oh, well, maybe I should look into this as like a get out of hell free card. So yeah. they look into it and they're like, well, I gave my life to Jesus. And then the next day my car broke down. So where was he when that happened? Uh-huh. Um, and then they relate everything to their perspective and not uh-huh. taking a step back and looking from God's. Uh, uh-huh. And I think that's the majority of the young people right now in America. They're like, well, Christianity didn't work for me. It'll work. It might work for someone else, but it didn't work for me. Uh-huh. Um and that view really messes with me. Uh, I find it very disheartening that people, they will uh, take chances on, I don't know, on the same relationship that hasn't worked out five times. Come but on. When it comes to Christianity, they won't take a second wow. chance wow. because their faith was too limited. Um, That's too good. That's too good. <laughs> <laughs> He's blowing my mind right now. He is really blowing my mind. Because, you know, like, one of the other things that you did that was so powerful to me, because my brother and I are, like, big about, like, it's one thing to just hear the word and listen to the things that we're talking about, but this has to translate into action. And you made, like, what you said in your message, like, very practical. Like, you gave the bullet points, and then you gave nuggets, but then you also made it, like, self-reflective, and you put it, put the ball in their court to say, like, okay, now what are you going to do with this? So, um, you know what you're saying means that we have a responsibility to do something every day, not just one time or two times. It's an everyday situation. And it's not about the outcome turning into what we want it to be in order to determine whether or not we continue to be doers of the word, right? Because mm-hmm. we're either going to be doers of the word or we're going to be doers of the world. And the mm-hmm. world's way of doing things or our way of doing things is still the world's ways of doing things if it's not according to what God would have us do. And so, you know, I know you said something about like you challenged them to kind of like think of 
how well are they executing being doers of God in their own life, like every day Mm -hmm. Um, and looking at their, their heart and examining themselves to see where they can improve. And I think that's like, you're absolutely right. You're a thousand percent right that, you know, there's so many things that people, not just young people, but grown folks too, are willing to go back in there and recommit and, and, do over and over and over again and give second and 50 other chances, things that are totally bad for them, things that have like messed them up and failed like so badly. But God, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just floored right now. <laughs> I'm really floored because <laughs> that was deep what you said. Yeah. And that, and that's the beauty of like his list about being a doer. You know, when you look at those seven, like, mm-hmm. He, you said something in this last piece, Garrett, about that people assume that Christianity is a get out of hell free card. Mm. It is, but that's yeah. after death, right? <laughs> and so yeah. not not that you're going to get out of hell while you're alive. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that mm-hmm. that's the beauty of going back to your list about meditating on the Bible and seeking God first. Because the more truth you know, you recognize that there's a hope in the truth. And so if you don't know truth or you're not following the truth, then you're not going to see the hope in the hell that you currently live in. So you're always only going to see the trouble and not the promise. Right. And so, you know, going back to, to Psalm 121, it says, I will lift up my eyes to the heavens for where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you know that, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can go through anything. Uh-huh. And, and like it says that we can produce great joy because we recognize that, okay, God, like I know this is where I'm at. It looks bleak, but God, you know what I'm saying? And so we can always mm. go back to that. But God, when we recognize that, there's a, a promise within his truth. And so, again, if we don't know the truth, if we're not meditating on the Bible, we're never going to get to that point. And I, I know we talked one time about the parable of the four soils. Like you see those individuals that um, everything's good. They love the Lord. They're worshiping. They're getting it in. And as soon as hardship comes, they're, you know, they're, they're gone with the wind. You know what I'm saying? And so those that, that plant their feet on, on the foundation of Christ are the ones that are going to, going to last. And so, um, yeah, just, just, I love just your practicality. I love your, um, your sense of just recognizing that, hey, if we don't give ourselves to God, like nothing's going to stick. We, we can't, we have no hope if we're not going to hope in God, right? So mm-hmm. uh, just just a, a sense of maturity that I see just in your in your responses and in, in your, your thought process. I mean, you, you, you seem very articulate, very intelligent. Um, it's just been a pleasure just to hear your heart um, because I remember I got saved at a young age and I was wild in my first couple of years, you know what I mean? Um, uh-huh. So just to hear that you have such a, a grasp and, and, and a command of, of the truth and of the word is just, um, I commend you, my brother. Man. Thank you. And another thing I want to just add to that um, kind of same vein of conversation is, um, Gary, you had said um, somewhere in your message, you were talking about how it's a lie that we tell ourselves Um, to be a part of something, to not feel alone, like when we're, you know, basically claiming Christianity and we're not really living like Christians, right? And so um, what do you think it is that's so appealing about just kind of trying to be included in being associated with being a Christian, but not really being one? Because, you know, you really challenge people, and I love that. Like, I am all for that. Like you put it out there just like when we talked about uh first John last week and John was just very plain, like he was letting people know you were doing that and you were basically like telling the people, like you were like, Are you here to hear about God or, you know, and not do anything about it? Are you like what are you here for? 
And I love mm-hmm. that you said that. So can you just talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, well, I think that um, God lays out pretty clearly in the Bible that he made us to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always want to belong. Um, but God, he tells us that the only place we're ever going to belong is the place where we actually belong at his side. And um, so I think that's where all of these clicks come in, where it's like, you really want to fit in here. So we're just going to go full force and try and fit in. Um, and I think a lot of kids, when they see like their parents are Christians, they're like, oh, okay, so where I fit in is the church. So they uh-huh. go in and they just go through the motions every day. Mm-hmm. They just, they go through it. They don't really give, um, they don't give any uh, part of their mind or their soul to it. They're just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Cause that's how we always do it. Um, and then, uh, well, my point with that was saying that in the message was, that's what I needed to hear when I went to, um, when I went to youth group, uh-huh. I needed to hear someone challenge me. Be like, why are you actually here? Are Amen. you here to actually hear this? Are, but, or are you just here to be here? Uh-huh. What's your purpose for being here? Yeah. And that one uh, question would have changed my outlook uh, in drastically. Um, and it did. Uh-huh. And I wanted to be able to see if those seeds would um, just help anyone else as it helped me. Yeah, that's so good. So moving on to chapter, same chapter, we're in chapter one, but verse 23 and 24. It says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. So talk to us about that that passage of scripture, because I know you had some good insights on that one as well. Like, what can you um, just share with us? Because you are just really stirring a lot right now, and I'm loving it so much. Uh, Yeah, so... This verse I really love, and uh, there's a book that C.S. Lewis wrote called Mere Christianity, and I love it. It's a great book. Great book. Yeah, and uh, he said, men are mirrors. They're carriers of Christ to other men. And what he's saying there is that uh, a Christian is a reflection of Christ when you look at uh-huh. them in a mirror. And uh, they're going to show God to, uh, in their everyday life if they're a Christian. If they are a godly man, they're going to show God in their everyday lives. And you can see that through the mirror. Uh-huh. Um so this, the imagery that uh, James is using here, he's, he's saying, um, if you hear the word, but don't do it, you just, you're basically looking at the mirror and, and you, like you stare at the mirror and then you're like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to go away now. And uh-huh. like, you don't fix anything, but um, uh, being part of being a Christian is to look at yourself in that mirror, see what's wrong and then fix it. Yeah. It, it's not just leave it there and let it get gross. It's you fix it. Uh-huh. Uh, um, uh, being a reflection of Christ isn't like a one week, once a week type of deal. Uh, it's, it sort of just happens when you give your heart to God, when you uh-huh. give, when you have a heart for God, um, and you desire him, um, the, the quick glance in the mirror that, that James is talking about, it doesn't need to be the way that we live our lives. Uh-huh. It, it shouldn't be the way we live our lives as Christians. Uh, we should be in, in studying Christ intently because yeah. he should be our infle- our reflection that we see. You know, it's so good about that because I feel like every single time I read that passage, I think about how when we wake up in the morning and you go to the bathroom 
and you look in the mirror, how many people do you know are 100% comfortable leaving their house, starting their day, going to school, going to work, running errands, go anywhere, looking how you look when you first come out of bed? Hmm. Teeth not brushed, hair not brushed. You might have, like, egg in your eyes. You might have slobber on your face. Like, any of that. So you see that in the mirror. Who walks out like that? Mm-hmm. No one. So my point in using that example is that when you see yourself looking jacked up in a mirror, even if it's just your hair is wild or you have anything on your face, you're going to fix that in, in natural life before you walk out of the door to be seen by other people. How much more should we not look into the word, which is our spiritual mirror, and when we see something that shows us what we are, we see that it's jacked up, and then we still like, okay, I'm good to go outside like this. No. Mm. <laughs> no. And I, I feel that so much because I remember in my unsurrendered days, because I grew up in church my whole life. I wasn't always living for God, but I grew up in church. And in my early days before I really, like, started living for God, like, I would go to church, and I would feel convicted when I knew I was in sin. Like, there were things I was doing, and I would hear the sermon, or I would read the verse, and I could even be at home and read the verse, and I would feel convicted immediately. And I'm like, man, this is not right. And I always say, if you don't want to feel that conviction, stop doing the thing that's causing the conviction. When you read Mm -hmm. that thing and it's talking about anger or it's talking about fornication or it's talking about, you know, certain, you know, profanity, whatever it's saying that you're doing, if you feel conviction in that when you hear it, if you stop the action, then you no longer have to feel conviction because you have changed that part of your life. You have basically, you know, repented to God and last month I had said part of our, um, one of the things that I had talked about was like repentance and turning go together. Mm. A lot of times we, we just say like we repent as if like repent means I apologize. I'm sorry. And I get to keep doing the same thing over and over. And that's not repentance. Repentance is like being genuinely sorrowful for what you did. You are essentially apologizing, but you're, you're forsaking the deed or deeds of what you're saying that you re- you're repenting of. So if you were a thief and you're repenting of like robbing people, you're not just going to apologize, Lord, I'm sorry for like stealing from people. You're going to stop stealing from people because you need to turn a different direction and stop <laughs> stealing from people. But you're not going to apologize to the Lord and then continue to go out and rob 10, 20 other people. That's not repentance. And so we just really have to, again, this is just so good, like what you're saying, the spiritual mirror, like, it, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like it. Like oh, go ahead, brother. Um, I really like that, that point you brought up uh, of repentance. Uh, it reminds me of my favorite story of repentance in the Bible in Second Kings 22, uh, where uh-huh. the, they're cleaning out the treasury to get all of the money. Um, out of the church to give to the the keepers of the temple Uh and uh, they're cleaning up and they find the book of the law and it's it's been lost to the Jewish people for a while and they pull it out and they read it and they're like oh no God's gonna Uh pronounce judgment on us because we haven't been following this and they take it to the king they read it to him King Josiah and he's like oh we gotta fix this Uh and he doesn't say 
oh, well, we'll do that tomorrow, or it's all right, we can just keep doing what we're doing. What he does instead, he's like, there's a royal decree going out right now. Everybody, uh, we need to repent. We need to get all of this mm-hmm. stuff out of the temple, all of the idols, burn them, burn yeah. them to a crisp, throw them in the river, get rid of them, yeah. and we need to turn back to God. That's uh, right. And I, I love that you brought up repentance because it's a big thing now that people are like, oh, well, I can just uh, ask God for forgiveness and he'll forgive me. Um, because if I do it again, then I can just ask for forgiveness and he'll forgive me again. Uh-huh. Cause that's just what he does. But that's living a lifestyle of sin. That's not living in a righteous lifestyle that God calls us to. That's right. Yeah. And that's, and that's what we talked about last month in first John is just, you know, by this, that you may know, you know, those who practice, um, unrighteousness are not of him. Right. And so, um, you know, we have to have that turning piece of it because, you know, going back to this James, uh, verse 24, um, you know, if the word is our spiritual mirror, um, and I like how to use the illustration about, you know, what do we look like in the morning? If it's a quick glance, like you're not thinking about what to change. You're just like, okay, I'm still here. Good. <laughs> right. I'm a, I'm a person. <laughs> but if you're actually standing in front of the mirror, the expectation is to be looking for something that you can change, to make sure everything is all good. Right. So I like how verse 24 says, um, but once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So that says to me that, one, it's an it's immediately, uh, but then secondly, that he doesn't even know who what type of person he is. So, if we understand uh, in First John that we talked about last month, that there's an assurance <laughs> of whether or not you're a children of God, or a child of God, or a child of the devil. Then here it's saying that if you can't look into a mirror and make those changes, you forgot who you were, you know, what I'm saying? and or you don't uh, know who you are. You know what I'm saying? And so, if you are um, going back to, to Garrett's point in his list, is that you have to be a doer because if you're not a doer you're not of the light, you know what I'm saying? And you're deceiving yourself. So uh, it's just so good mm-hmm. to see the practicality and just the, 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 the sinking of God's word is the more you get into the truth, he's not going to lie. He's going to continue to tell you the truth all the way through. And that truth stands um, regardless of what you're reading. So, um, so good just to see the, the, the correlation between everything. Yeah. In Hebrews, it's ta- there's a verse in verse seven. It says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. And so that applies all the time. Like today, if you're hearing the voice of God and, and the oracles of God being spoken through his messengers, today when you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Um, so now, when they say now is the time of salvation, they, they literally mean that you need to respond to God's word as you hear it. If you're hearing it right now, if you're hearing it today, you need to receive that engrafted word with meekness that's able to save your soul and let it do what it's supposed to do and follow that receptiveness with your actions of obedience. And, um, you know, the other example that goes along with that is in, in the book of Acts, you know, when Peter was out there preaching and, you know, the, he gets to the end of his sermon and the men say, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? Mm. They don't say, what must we try to be saved? What must we think about to be saved? What must we do to be saved? And he tells them, repent. <laughs> that's the mm. first thing you said, you know, and, and so that's where it starts. But the whole point is actions have to happen. And it's when we hear God's voice, we should not give ourselves time to think about it later, to do something later. It's a now type of situation. And I, I love how, you know, one of the things that Garrett had referenced earlier is about like the things that people do in general that's so easy and so, you know, much more pleasurable to us to do. Um, in general, like we'll do those things and not think twice about it. We don't have to be um, 
prodded, provoked, urged, inquired a million times. We'll just do it on our own with no motivation. And it seems almost like we have to pull teeth and beg people and bargain with them and convince them and persuade them to do anything for, for God. And really, it's for mm-hmm. themselves, but for God. So mm-hmm. when you hear God's word, that's a time of decision. And I, I remember, and Dave, you might remember this too, like churches kind of like in our times of being young people, they had more kind of like what I would say kind of altar moments where it would give you that kind of like moment to reflect when they would invite you to come to the altar and, you know, respond to the Lord if you needed prayer or if you needed, you know, wanted to give your life to God like that day, you know, based off of a sermon. And that was almost like in every service situation, like that was happening every time, like fast forward now, here we are, you know, 30 years later and services are pretty much one hour. We have songs, we have, you know, it is what it is and and things still happen, but like there's an element that, that part was really good about because it gave people an opportunity to really respond now and not let them think about it on the way home or forget as they're walking out to the parking lot, you know, cause that, like you said, Dave earlier with the, the parable of the sower, you know, that first one is said the seed fell by the wayside. Cause it said immediately the devil mm-hmm. came and snatched away what was sown in the heart. Yeah. And so if you have those moments where the spirit is really flowing in an atmosphere, you need to lay that opportunity out there to give people an opportunity to respond to God's, you know, invitation, whether that's resurrendering, recommitting, giving your life for the first time. And even if it's none of those, if you just need prayer for whatever you're struggling with and you're ready to make a move now based off of whatever sermon was just spoken, you know, sometimes you're saved and sometimes you're good to go, but maybe there's things that you really need right now. This word was for you and you want to connect with somebody right now because this is what you needed to hear today. And you going home by yourself to marinate on that is one thing, but connecting with someone else to feel that does something else more powerful. So I just thought of that verse. And I just want to share that with you guys. <laughs> yeah. And I think even culturally, um, you know, we've, we're not training people to, especially in a fast paced society, we're not training people to stop and meditate But <laughs> again, step one on what they hear. Like, okay, I'm gonna go home and read the Bible, but then you're reading just all these other things and, and it might be all good material, but if you're not stopping and meditating on what you are reading, then you're just reading because again, the meditation is, is meant to actually drive some sort of response or some remembrance that garner that garden response at some point and so if we're not having those moments where we're able to bring ourselves back to okay lord this is what i'm doing with this then yeah we're just hearing a lot of good material that we're not it's not sticking for us so um mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that we're we're failing the culture not allowing them to have those moments where we're teaching them hey you are hearing something what are we doing with this application yeah so i want to move to james chapter four and uh, verse eight specifically, and that says, um, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Um, this is a question for Garrett. So I want to know, what, is, what are your thoughts about the part where it says your loyalty is divided between God and the world? Again, especially coming from you, it means so much more because you're young 
and to be the kind of example that you are just shows that it's possible if you really want to give your loyalty to God. So can you just speak to us a little bit on that verse and just kind of like, again, just in general, but then also like if there's anything that you see among like your peers or your generation or just in general, like what, what can you share with us about that verse? Yeah. Um, well, immediately when I read this verse, I think of in Revelation uh, when uh, the letter to the church at Laodicea, he says that the church is gross. It's lukewarm. Mm-hmm. It's neither hot nor cold. And mm-hmm. God wants to spit them out. That's just what my mind gravitates to uh, with that one. But mm-hmm. uh, when it leads to double minded, I think a lot of people uh, my age nowadays, um, we, we're so caught up in we need to be a certain way on a certain day and then switch Uh that up depending on the day. Um, Uh And it's like, when I'm around this group of people, I have to act this sort of way or I'll get rejected or I have to do this or do this and act this way. um, So that they'll, so that I'll be accepted. Uh, Uh Cause right now at the stage in my life, um, a lot of the people around me are looking for validation on who they are and um, what they should be going on with the rest of their life. So um being double-minded uh is a big part of my age group Uh, especially i think social media has given a bigger rise to that as well Uh because you see someone they have this perfect day and so uh you are now double-minded and thinking that well i'm having this bad day and i'm having a terrible day but i'm not going to tell anyone and instead i'm going to put on this face and just go out and be happy Uh, Mm -hmm. and when you really aren't um, that's a there's a a lot to unpack there with being Mm double-minded especially with my generation Um, yeah that's my uh my boiled down thoughts on that so as far as just like you know because again being a mom and and having watched my child go through adolescence and peer pressure and just all that, like how has it been as far as your experience um, to basically decide that you want to, you know, really be a Christian, you know, pretty much like you said around freshman year and not just say that, but really be one. And, and cause you know, I guess what I'm saying is this, it's like, I feel that a lot of young people, if Christianity was more popular, more young people would do it. But because they feel like it's lame or because they think that it brings on more um, opportunity to get talked about, mocked, you know, whatever, they'll do what you're saying, be double-minded. Like when you're around the kids, a youth group will be a certain way. But when we're around the other people at school that don't go to church at all, we'll be a different way. So like, Mm -hmm. how has it been for you and your experience? Like, you know, just having your own standards and keeping your standards regardless of what kids around you do or say. Yeah. Um, that's, um, that's a good point that you bring up. Uh, I think uh, the point in my life where I came to that was, well, obviously it was around my freshman year. It's just, uh, I gave my life to God. and It was like, well, why am I, why am I going to live for God on Sunday and not on Monday? Wow. That makes no sense. Um, and I think it really helped also because I had just, uh, we were, we moved shortly after that. And uh-huh. so it, it was like a reset. And uh-huh. 
I was really afraid of my friends rejecting me at that point in Alaska. And when we moved to Ohio, I was just like, well, none of these people know me. Uh Uh, They don't need to know the old me. Uh All they need to know is the new me. Hmm. And that helped. um, I think that really did help with helping me be not double-minded to just be a Christian and Uh to show the, the trueness of God in my life. That's awesome. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that, Dave? No, I thought that was good. Um, I, I think what I would ask just in, in terms of, you know, you being young and, uh, you know, forgive us for kind of belaboring that piece, but I think it, it's definitely helpful, you know, especially for us being probably 20 years older than you, at least, um, just kind of to see the, the the difference of generations and really just to give context to those that are listening as well. I think it's helpful mm-hmm. um, to see that. Mm-hmm. Um when you think about, because obviously, you know, we can look at the world and, and, you know, as adults, we have a different set of hardships. And of course, you're an adult, but um, as you're kind of coming into this, uh, this new realm, um, what do you think holiness means to you as, as a, a teenager or as a, as a young adult? Um, because we can, we can look at holiness in one sense and say, okay, when you face things, and we were talking about James 1 earlier, um, you can kind of see it in this context because you have experience. Okay. I'm weathered a little bit, but as you're coming into your own and you talked about being younger and not really living it in that sense, talk to me about what holiness means for you as somebody at your age at this particular point in time, understanding that there are different standards for um, those your age. And, and there is such a, a tension um, with young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I've been reading a book on um, holiness. It's called the pursuit of holiness. It's by Jerry Bridges. Uh, it's one of my favorite books. And um, he talks a lot about why holiness isn't common, because in the Bible, holiness is a common thing with believers. Um, uh-huh. And he goes a lot in detail about how we aren't holy because we don't strive for it. Mm. We don't strive to be set wow. apart because we want to fit into this box. Um, and holiness to me is just um, going outside of the cultural normal for uh, like everybody tells me, uh, you're teens, you're like, you're 18, you're supposed to be enjoying yourself, you're supposed to be uh, seeing the sights of the world and all these things and going to parties and whatever. But it, holiness is breaking that societal mold and uh-huh. instead clinging to what God says. Uh, that is so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And you know what you said that is just like you just cap every single thing that we feel all the time is we're not holy because we don't strive for it. You have to strive for, you have to. And I think that what you, what you have laid out from the beginning and really woven through everything we've said pretty much so far is that we have to strive through seeking God and we have to seek Mm -hmm. God by being in his word and wanting to delight in pursuing his word. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like, it's one of those things that if if even the church world doesn't provide it for you, I feel like you sound like a person to me that sounds like my sibling and I right now. <laughs> we are the type of people that if the church were not going to preach the truth and give you like what you need, you would you would strive for it and seek for it yourself in the word. And I'm not saying anything about anybody's church. I'm just saying in general, like you are not like you said, I'm not just on Sunday a Christian and Monday I'm not like. Monday, it's not my pastor's job to make sure I'm still saved. Tuesday, it's not my small group leader's job to make sure that I'm still walking in the truth. Like, 
Mm-hmm. It's really on you to strive for the holiness of God. And even on Sunday, it's not your pastor's job either because he's giving you the information for you to receive it and for you to obey, again, for you to follow what has been given. So I just, I am like, wow. <laughs> let me follow, let me ask a follow-up to that then, Garrett. So, because, uh, yeah, I, I definitely co-sign everything she just said. Um, and holiness, and I have that book as well. Um Holiness is a big thing um, that we've talked about a lot. And, you know, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, you know, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Um, I don't think a lot of people really understand that sanctification um, means to be holy, right? To be set apart. And so mm-hmm. um, holiness, um, you said the quote was that holiness is not common. What mm-hmm. caused you to have that mindset of a of, of personal holiness, understanding that it's not something that is kind of the norm that's talked about, or maybe even encouraged to the degree that maybe you're talking about it right now. Well, um, in a way, I kind of consider myself like a trailblazer. Um, because oh, the, the people around me, they're telling me, Oh, in your, when you're, you're 18, you have to do this. Uh, this is just, it's just part of being an 18 year old. Mm. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go on a different trail. I'm going to go blaze yeah. this trail by myself. Well, not really by myself because God's with me. Come um, on. And so, uh, I think coming to the realization or like coming to, um, seeing holiness and God's standard was just, uh, seeking God, it all just it revolves back around to seeking God. Is when I started seeking God is when He was like, "You aren't holy, you aren't being, you aren't acting as if you're set apart, so you need to fix that." Um, mm. And as I as I would seek God, there's conviction after conviction that mm. I gotta fix and I gotta fix. Mm. Uh, and I think also a big stunt. This is a little sidetrack, but it's still on the same vein. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a big stunt to growth in Christian's life, or at least with my age group is everybody's telling us there's nothing wrong with you. You're perfect the way you are. Mm. Well, God did yeah. say you're fearfully and wonderfully made, but he doesn't mm-hmm. say that's it. You just give up where you're at. He says, yeah, you need to seek me and seek me first. And then these things you'll, I'll, I'll show these things to you that aren't right. And then you can fix mm-hmm. those. He doesn't say, keep this sin in your life. He says, get rid of it mm. and replace it with me. Love it. Man, if he is not preaching right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, You know, I'm not going to say everything I want to say because you have me so excited. And I want to keep myself together. But the one thing I do (laughs) want to ask you is, um, how did you get to that point of confidence in being okay to, to be a solo trailblazer? Like, knowing that even if you have to blaze the trail by yourself, knowing that God is with you. Because I've tried to encourage young people and adults, honestly, too, but I've tried to encourage people um, in the past. And, you know, everybody's different. So I'm not going to say, like, it's 100% fail or 100% success rate because it's not either one. Mm -hmm. But there are people who they literally feel like if they have to do it by themselves, that it's not happening. They Mm -hmm. have no... um, determination they're not like those people who are just fine being by themselves to do most things so where did you get that confidence from to be like you know if it's just me I'm okay with that and not like miserable not depressed not feeling like I'm lonely a loner out here like how how do you have that yeah um well growing up I was 
uh, a severe introvert. Like just talking to people would get me anxious. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that helped in a way to do this by myself. Well, just myself and God, Um, Mm -hmm. because it's like I already knew what it was like to be by myself. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, just the confidence to do it was just, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? Uh-huh. Uh, and my favorite, one of my favorite things that Paul says is, um, all they can do is kill you. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, they, they can't cast your, your soul into hell like God can. Uh-huh. All they can do is and send you to go see God and um, uh, so the confidence came from that verse because I was I was afraid people would say and what they would think and then I was like well what would they say what would they think oh well we don't want to be friends with him so what that's I'm so okay good. with that um, and then that's starting so with evangelism uh, to reach the people around um, uh, my constant fear was well what if they reject me well that's uh-huh. not the end of it I see them every day I go back and I share it again. Uh, so it's really, the confidence comes with realizing that the worst they can do is really nothing. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Um, very earlier in our conversation, like around the introduction, you had mentioned um, one of the pastors, I think, at the church in Alaska. But are there, are there um, any other voices in your life beyond the word of God, you know, people that God has placed in your path that, you know, their support has really helped fortify you in your walk? Well, definitely, definitely. Um, actually, uh, um, one of those men in that helped shape my life, he recently passed and he's now home with Jesus. Um, his name is Glenn Slusher. I love him to death. Uh, uh. He, Really put the fear of God in me. Uh, I love that man. Uh, but he he really helped me to uh, grow in my faith. And every time he'd see me, he would ask, um, what are you reading? What are you learning new about God? And how many people have you shared God with this week? Uh, and those, he always kept me on my toes. He would count. Um and that really helped me to grow my faith. It's like, well, what am I learning new about God this week? Mm. And I'd be like, well, I know all the basics, so let's go deeper. Uh, all that. So that that it was one really big influence on my life. And another is my brother. Uh, well, one of my brothers. Uh, I have a lot of them, and all of them influenced me uh, greatly towards God. And uh, my oldest brother, Jacob, he went to Bible college. And so he really helped push me in the direction of, well, let's that. And so if I ever have a question, I'm like, Jacob, help me out here. Uh, what does God say about this? And he's like, well, the Bible. And he'd steer me back um, like them and Pastor Brian from Alaska as well. Um, Pastor Mike. Um, all of them in Alaska, all those, the pastors that I knew, all the youth pastors, uh, my uncles, uh, great humans and great men that have striven me or um, have directed me towards God. That's amazing. 
Well, we are nearing the end. Um, are there any final um, thoughts or questions that you want to put out there, Dave? Uh, just two quick. Uh, one is just a, you can just throw it out there. You don't have to really expound on it. And then the second one, I just want to get your thoughts on a scripture. So the first one is, what is your favorite scripture? Um, and then secondly is, um, what is your heart? I know you, you brought up my favorite scripture, uh, which is Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Um, mm -hmm. So just what is your thought on that? As you just, you're saying a lot that stirs the pot in terms of, like I said, a lot of things that we talk about. So just what is your heart? Um, what does your heart beat as you, you think about that particular scripture and something you just want to share with the audience? So um, just your favorite scripture and then just kind of talk a little bit about Hebrews 10. All right. Yeah. My favorite scripture is uh, Matthew nineteen twenty six, and it's often really misconstrued, but the whole story uh, very, very briefly is to Jesus. And he's like, I kept every commandment from my youth. Um, uh, and how, what can I do to, to be with you? And, to, to be with you. And God says, go sell everything that you had and uh, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And he's, he goes away in deep sadness. And uh, then it says that um, it's very difficult for a rich man to get to heaven. Uh, it's mm -hmm. easier for the, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. And then it says, um, but what's impossible for man is, possible with God. Hmm. Um, and we get so caught up in, oh, we don't have this, or we don't have this, or this person down the street has this nice car or this nice paint on their house or whatever it may be that we forget that we're that rich man in the Bible. America uh, has, it's part of the top 10% of the people in the world in income. And yet we say we have nothing hmm. that we can't give to these uh, organizations to give people Bibles because we don't know how we'll make our rent meet or whatever it may be. Wow. Um, but we're so focused on ourselves and we're so absorbed in ourselves that we won't humble ourselves and see ourselves in the way that God has blessed us. Um, so that's why uh, Matthew 19, uh, 26 is my favorite verse, but uh, expounding. That's a perfect on, segue to Hebrews 10 then. <laughs> yes. Hebrews 10 um, verse 23 to 24. Um or 23 to 25 says, let us hold fast the, to the confession of our hope, our faith. Ugh, if I can speak today, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider to how to stir one another up to good, love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, I love those verses. The whole book of Hebrews is amazing. It's a beautiful book. Um, and I just love all the imagery that, that the, the author of Hebrews throws in. And uh, he says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. And I think that's just really important right there itself to just hold fast to our hope and not hold fast for a moment and then stop, but just like clutch it within our grasp and not let go. Um, yeah. I just... I just love these verses so much. I could go on for just like these three verses for a good hour and a half. So I'm trying to keep it short. You are our kind of guy. I'm telling yes. you right now. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I just am so grateful to you. I know. I mean, I'm speaking for him too, and he'll say to himself, but we are so blessed to have had you share with us today. Thank you so much for just taking your time out. Um, 
just I'm 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 blessing God for just His spirit, of His wisdom that's in you, the fire that's within you. Like you are an amazing, incredible individual, and I'm Absolutely. just grateful to God to have met you. Um, if you know at this point in your journey, and it will just be amazing to see how far God takes you. So I am grateful to know you. So I just want to share that with you. Well, thank you. I really do appreciate that. Yeah, and you've been a perfect first guest, man. Uh, just everything. I mean, you just embody. I mean, I didn't know you obviously before this call, but um, just to to hear your heart. Uh, I mean, you've blessed my soul, um, and and nothing was was scripted or or forced for you to say. And and just to have the heart and the like mindedness that you do, um, you know. And, and for those who have been following us for this this year and change, uh, just to to have the same heartbeat and just to be able to deliver something to them as well as just uh, to to deliver to us has has been encouraging and inspiring. And I just commend you, brother, for just what the Lord has done in you up to this point. I know you're young, but um, like Paul told Timothy, you know, don't be ashamed um, of the youth that's in you. And uh, don't let people look down on you because of your age. And you've shown um, such a maturity and a command um, that um, is impressive to me. So um, without having being able to put a face to a name or anything other than just hearing you, you speak, brother, um, the Lord is doing great things. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to have be on this call with you, brother. Thank you. So in closing, I'm going to ask uh, Garrett to pray us out, but I just want to reiterate the things that that were put out there. You know, what is it that you desire? You know, anytime you hear this word, and even as you're listening to what was said today, what will you do? And tomorrow when you hear the word of God, next Sunday when you hear the word of God, when you're at Bible study and you hear the word of God, what will you do? Do you truly desire to serve God? Do you truly desire to be a doer for the Lord? Are you here, like he said, to hear about God and do something about it? Are you here to hear about God and just keep on going about your life as usual? That's even in our hearing right now. You're listening to this wherever you are. Are you here to really hear from God and do something about what you are hearing and will hear in the future? So I just want that food for thought to be on your mind. And Garrett, will you graciously um, pray us out? Of course. Uh, Dear God, um, I just like to thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to be on this podcast with uh, with uh, Dave and uh, Talia and God. I just like to thank you so much. Uh, You're such a gracious and loving God, and Mm. we we aren't deserving of that love, and yet you still give it. And God, I just pray that everyone that hears this podcast would be blessed that they would that they would examine what their hearts desire and see if they truly seek you. And if they don't, then God, I pray that they would correct that. God, I pray that that you would help me in the the areas that I lack to help seek you more. And um, for all of us in the church, God, I just like to thank you so much for, for, for being you, for you just, I'm speechless trying to come up with words of how to describe Mm. you because you're so amazing. God, I I love you with all of my heart, God. And I just pray that uh, you would give that love to those people that serve you and god i pray that more people would rise to seek and to serve you that we would be a generation uh, of up-and-coming christians that love you that serve you and that seek you and god i'd just like to thank you again for allowing me to be here in your name i pray amen amen, amen. thank you for listening to her bro his sis catch your favorite siblings each month as we talk to you our family in christ Want to chat or just stay in the know? Catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Herbro His Sis.